Hey, what's up? It's Bobby Portis. I'm Saquon Barkley. I'm Brianna Stewart. This is Chef Tom Sean Porter. I'm Sugar Ray Lemon. I'm Corey Brewer. I'm Sinisa Estrada, and we run this station. We run this station. We run this station. Tomahawk line drive it oh, oh my goodness! AJ Andrews plays Superwoman out Oh my right. gosh, Brian, that has to be the best dive I have personally that I have seen in the outfield. Super indeed. Wow. When AJ Andrews became the first woman ever to win a Rawlings gold glove, she couldn't help but ask, why am I the only winner? After all, they give nine gold gloves to men every season. So why only one for women? AJ sat down with uninterrupted podcast producer John Fontanelli in the summer of 2019 to discuss how, for athletes outside the major sports leagues, no amount of progress is ever truly enough. That representing your sport sometimes means transcending your sport altogether. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is Unguarded. AJ, welcome. So for our audience out there who's not familiar with you, AJ, your story, your journey, take us from the beginning. Where are you from? How'd you get to where you are today? And what's your journey been like? I am from Clearwater, Florida. I played softball. I started playing softball when I was about 11 years old, but I was one of those people, one of those kids that really liked to play just about everything. So I definitely tried every sport I could possibly try. I tried to be Serena Williams at one point with tennis, tried to be Simone Manuel at one point with swimming, and they just were not my forte. I really, really wanted to be Serena, though, but I sprained my ankles both attempts at tennis, so I thought maybe I should give it up. But um, yeah, and then I just, softball was one of those sports. I was actually a mean soccer player, but softball was a sport that really stuck. I think that, you know, it's one of those sports where... There's just a there's time where you could not be so serious if you were to go to like a little league softball game or a game where the girls are 14, 16 and under. They're going to hear the craziest cheers, the craziest chants you're ever hearing in your life. And it was just fun. That was a fun aspect for me. So I really fell in love with the environment of softball before I fell in love with the game. And then once I fell in love with the game, my competitive level came out and I just wanted to be the best. So that kind of really brought me through, I guess, being recruited, right? I think that's such a tough process. I think now it's a lot more competitive than it was when I was younger, but it's one of those situations where you just never really know and you're really depending on someone else liking you, right, for you to go to a college. So for me, my dad, I was super competitive when I was younger and I was really, really hard on myself. And so he told me in order to be the best is something that always sticks with me. I have to be better than everyone else. Like I have to, there's the, or he told me there's always going to be someone better than you. So you have to outwork them. And um, I just hated the thought of someone ever being better than me. So, I mean, I think, I don't know if he planned on that or he just knew my personality and knew that that would really drive me to just do above and beyond. But I think that was probably the driving force to who I am today and why I am where I am today. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, playing a game, softball, and it was a showcase tournament, so it's where coaches can just come. You don't, it's not for score, it's really just to showcase your talent. This is in high school? This is in high school, right? And I make a diving catch as an LSU coach was walking by, 
And they began recruiting me from that very moment. So that's one of those little nuggets I love to give to kids as you never know who's watching. And if I didn't make that one catch or even attempt at that one ball, right, Mm -hmm. my entire life could be completely different. So just to really heighten the fact that you have to go out for every single chance, every ball, regardless what sport you play, right, you always have to go all out because you never know what can come from that. So got recruited to LSU on my visit, went to Alabama LSU football game. And as if you follow football, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you understand the rest was history. Rewinding a little bit. You're an athlete. You're playing softball. You excelled at softball. Is that something that you mentioned your dad always pushed you? Is that something your parents were supportive of early on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I played sports from the time I could walk, right? I played. I was a cheerleader when I was younger. I played t-ball. I played soccer probably since I was five or six years old. Mm -hmm. And so those were just, I mean, I was always a kid that loved to try things, right? Mm -hmm. I liked to beat the boys. I was was just one of those kids you can't teach, right? You almost had to watch because she's going to injure herself. She's just doing too much. And so, you know, my parents just always kept me active and I always wanted to try new things. So they were definitely supportive of me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it got to a point where I was playing four sports at a time and, you know, they had to narrow things down. Like that's how tracked I was with sports and how much that all those really meant to me also I from the moment I was little I was super hard on myself so then they I think they knew that there was nothing they could say to me that I hadn't already told myself I hadn't already beat myself up over so you know they were really just always a supportive role for me and so going back to your high school years of really coming into your own as an athlete at what point did you realize, wow, I'm good enough at this ride, maybe could pursue this in college and this could be something that could be like my meal ticket going forward? I don't know if I ever had a moment where I realized I was good enough because for when I was playing, it was always to have fun, right? I would go to the showcase tournaments because it was cool to be at those that, you know, I wanted to get recruited, but I never thought that while I was playing. Like I was never someone that really put that kind of pressure on myself. I really just was out to play and have fun. And um, making those diving catches really got a lot of people's attention. I think I did that better than most. I, you know, there's just in a game, right? It was a competition with myself. Like, mm. I think I can get that, right? So I'm like competing against myself every day to see what ball I can get. Mm-hmm. I'm hard on myself if I missed a ball. People say, AJ, there's no way you could have had that. But in my head, I think I probably could have had it if I took two more steps. So I think that mm. when it comes down to thinking when I was good enough, that I would change that and say I realized that there was no one that was going to compete and no one that was going to work harder than me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I deserve to be where, where I am today. You got a scholarship to play softball at LSU? Sure did. That must have made your parents really proud. Yeah, it did. I mean, I got had a lot of offers, so I, you know— Took the whole route of going on different visits, but... What were the other schools that were in the running for you personally, the ones that were on your short list? Well, the only school that I visited before LSU was Memphis. So Mm -hmm. I had a visit set up for NC State, had one set up for... Or I was looking at Oregon, Mm -hmm. um, but after... LSU and I had a visit in at Auburn as well but after visiting LSU I knew you know they say you know when you know you know and it really is that kind of situation where you just feel like you're at home and mm-hmm. uh, I really truly believe to this day from the first day I stepped on campus to the last day which will be May 10th mm-hmm. um, it's going to be that the LSU fans are the best fans in the world and they truly just make you feel like you are their children like they they feel make you feel like this is your home this is where you're supposed to be When you look back at your playing career at LSU, what were your favorite moments on the field? I think it's so interesting when people say stuff like that because it's so true. 
you know, you don't always remember moments. You just remember at least moments of success. You don't always remember the times when you had this great catch or when this or that happened. You really remember those experiences with your teammates, right? You remember maybe what so-and-so was doing or the crazy, like I remember more awesome times for my teammates than I do of myself because I was so proud of them in those moments. And so I think one of the biggest accomplishments or something that I will never forget is probably when we were going to, we were heading to the World Series, but we didn't go there. We were in Super Regionals and it was at LSU. And it was a moment when we were playing Arizona State. So we are tied, I think, at this point. And the shortstop, Bianca Bell, the ball was hit to her and she thought that she caught it. But the umpire said that, you know, it dropped. And so, you know, those runs scored and she was distraught, thought we were losing the game, right? And we come back and she ends up getting the game-winning hit to win the game, right? So wow. um, it's those moments of just adversity and really overcoming that you really feel with your team because in a game like softball, it's going to take all nine. It's You know, it's not one person that's going to win that game. Um, so I just think that that would probably be the biggest with me just because we went to the World Series my freshman year. But we weren't really that great of a team. We were just kind of happy to be there. And then my senior year, we went there again with such a huge moment. And um, I was, you know, the leader of the team. So to really be able to get my team to the point where we all are fighting to get to is definitely something that probably means the most to me. And so what years did you play at LSU exactly? 2011, 2015. But 2016 was the year that you won the gold glove. Sure was. And so in 2016, you became the first winner the first softball player is that right to win the gold glove yes that's amazing congratulations sure on that that's fantastic <laughs> that's something that you always have oh i'll always be the first that's in that's incredible no matter how many people come behind me and so take me through that story what was that experience like i mean any kind of conversations with rawlings before that about them did you know that they were going to give that award to a softball player or is that something that kind of surprised you? Well, I kind of knew about it when I became a finalist. They told me that I was going to be a finalist for the Rawlings Gold Glove, but I didn't realize it was going to be the actual Rawlings Gold Glove. I thought maybe it was going to be some type of hybrid for women, which, you know, in my opinion would have been kind of a, a slap on the wrist. I don't know. It just wouldn't be something that I think would be adequate of the success that female athletes or athletes that our women put in just as much as the men do. So yeah. to say I was excited about it, I wasn't because I thought it was just going to be a special one for women. I realized that it was a real gold glove when we were at the dinner for like the annual dinner at the end of the year where we give the awards to the softball players. And, you know, it was the real gold glove. They had the Rawlings people there and it came down to three finalists. And so I was one of the three mm -hmm. and you know, I mean, I was thinking at the table that I was sitting at, I was just thinking it's going to be someone else's name because it didn't hit me until then that this was going to be a moment that was truly going to change sports. It was going to change the lives or just maybe the perception of women in sports and really be one of those barriers that can be completely broken. Mm -hmm. um, another glass ceiling shattered and really set the tone and be a trailblazer for not only softball, but for women in sports in general. And so I kind of got chills. I was thinking someone else because I didn't want the disappointment. If I was thinking it was me and I heard someone else's name. Mm -hmm. And so then when they called my name, I just was frozen. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I think I was still thinking, oh, so-and-so is going to be called. So-and-so is going to be called. And then they said me and my teammate like sh shook me. I was like, AJ, go. <laughs> and so then I went up and I received my award. Still very overwhelming. Still not really knowing what to think. 
And I still don't believe that award gets the attention, at least for women, that it should get. The men, you know, they have a whole ESPN production and I personally got a YouTube video. And so I think that a lot more needs to be done to market the fact that these women are making awesome achievements just as much as the men are putting in the same work. And to think about it, they only pick one gold glove winner for softball and all nine get a gold glove in baseball. So you really have to narrow it down and you really have to be perfect in softball to win one. So a step in the right direction, but we still have a long way to go. Yeah, it's a step, right? And I think steps are great as long as we continue to take those steps. Like, I don't want to take one step and you say, okay, sit there for a while, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be continuously moving forward. So ways that I I just think we need to continue to move and really continue to showcase the females in sports that are truly pioneering for their sport and for women in general, because once one door is broken down, that leads to other doors that need to be broken down. So I'm glad this first door was broken because before I won 2016, it had never been given to a woman. And now there's been two since me mm-hmm. that it's been that has received the gold glove. So, yes, steps, but we need to start taking strides. What are some things that you look at and say, this needs to change? Or you say, wait a minute, this is something that I feel like this is the next up. This is the next thing that we need to take a hard look at. Yeah, I think the first thing we can talk about is the production of the female sports, right? Of women in sports. I think that that needs to completely be bumped up. And right now, it's the market is there. People want to watch these sports. And we have to, but the, the fact is, is if something doesn't look interesting to watch, no one's going to watch it, right? So whether it's a Male sport, female sport, if it looks like it was done by Joe Schmo, right, that appeal isn't there. And I think the appeal needs to be there for the games and people really need to take the time to put the production into these sports, put us on TV, give us the recognition that we deserve and really allow us to reach the people that want to see us and maybe the people that don't know how to see us. Mm -hmm. There's people that come up to me all the time and say, how can I watch professional softball? I don't have an answer. And the fact that they can't watch me, right? That's one fan that I may have lost. That's one person that could have been watching with a buddy that may say, oh, this is interesting. They got a fan. Like, I think it's a domino effect. And that happens with all sports, right? There's people that, you know, if you're a fan of the NBA, they may not really like the NBA, but they've heard of LeBron James. So now they're going to check out a game and, you know, just really see what it's all about. That same effect can be for female sports if they put in the time. Um, I also think, as I spoke before about the recognition, I think we need to start recognizing these female athletes that are making extremely dope accomplishments that are just not being acknowledged. You know, they're just not being talked about or maybe it's talked about and then brushed to the side. I remember the headlines when Simone Manuel won a gold medal. She's the first African-American woman to win a gold medal in a single in a single swimming event in the Olympics an individual swimming event in the Olympics. And she was under, I don't remember who it was. She was under some male that won second place, right? She just had a historic night, historic event, and she gets in the small subtitle mm-hmm. and someone else gets the lead. Mm-hmm. It's it's those moments. Or even when you have, I remember another instance where it was a swimmer, her husband, I think, is a soccer player. And the announcer said, there's the man right there responsible for her success. Mm-hmm. It's discrediting us, and I think that those that needs to stop. I could go on and on about the things that I think need to change about the way that 
women in sports are marketed and how I believe that that's going to completely have a shift in the way people think about female sports. Now, you're always going to have the trolls, right? The people that women have these great successes and say you need to get back in the kitchen. But I think that that's a dry joke. And I think it's almost to the point where it's comical, Mm -hmm. you know, that come up with new content. Right. But um, other than that, I think it's time that we're just seen, right? I don't believe you can... You can know what you're missing if you don't even know it exists. Wow, that's interesting. It's a lot to think about in terms of just the changing media landscape too, right? Like we were talking this week in the office about the big WNBA CBS deal. That's 40 more games that are now going to be on cable television, right? right? But then you look at the way that media is shifting and who knows what the future of cable television looks like. So if you were in charge of these leagues or in charge of uh, a media company, um, you might look to some like platform like Twitch or the WNBA is also going to have games on Twitter. And so, so trying to anticipate where the eyeballs are or the eyeballs are going to be as you're trying to spin forward and try to get ahead of the curve. It's not just, well, we need more TV rights deals, right? It's exposure across the board. Oh, it's exposure a hundred percent. Like I, you know, before what I said before, as far as in print, right? The headlines, it's literally just the way you speak about these athletes in these sports that is going to capture people's attention and really the media is so powerful. You have the power to say whether something is a big deal or not. Mm-hmm. And if you want to downplay an achievement of any athlete, male or female, you can do that to where people think, oh, is that really a big deal? When it could have been something completely historic. And so I think that, you know, if anyone, any male has a huge accomplishment, it's blown up. But if a woman has one, it's kind of downplayed. And, you know, that could go back to all this historics where, before they didn't think women should play sports because of, you know, the way our our bodies were not made for that or whether you want women to be more ladylike. There's a lot of discussion, a lot of studies that show that sports that show women in feminine outlooks, so tennis, um, ice skating, ballet, right? Those kind of sports get more attention because it's viewing women in the way that they want women to be viewed feminine sports such as basketball, softball, soccer, uh, boxing, right? They don't get that kind of attention because it's seemed as masculine or you have more muscles. You have these things where now people are turned off because you assume or people think that we have to appeal to all these men in the way that men think and what they want to see. And it's women in XYZ versus ABC. So there's a lot of factors that go into that. And I think that sometimes you have to take an L in order to win, right? If all these networks or even these digital platforms, right, you just have to get behind a cause. You have to get behind what you truly believe in. And I think that the viewership, I think there's going to be people that come. People want to see women win right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's kind of jumping on the platform or a platform jumping on women's sports, I think the person that does that first is going to be the one that gets ahead. What is it like being a professional woman's softball player? I think as far as the grind and for the little money, it is the same as minor league, right? Minor league players, they're, they're, they have a goal in mind. So right now this grind that I'm putting in, me eating barely anything because I don't have the money is all going to pay off when I'm a major league baseball player. Softball players are doing all of that for pure passion because we love the game because there is no end goal. We're not going to get millions and millions of dollars when when it's all said and done. There are a lot of girls that end up having to give up their career early because they're just not – they don't have the money. At the end of the day, you have to pay your bills. And so a lot of the girls have two jobs. 
a lot of them are coaches, so, you know, that allows them to play. They coach during the season, so the fall and spring, and then come play in the summer. But if you're not a coach or there's something else you want to do, you and they don't allow you to take off those three months, you have to give up softball. And that's an unfair ask because any major league male athlete never has to give up the sport that they love to play because they can't make enough money to play it. This, this is a big question, maybe a tough question, but I'm curious your thoughts. If you were in charge of your league or any softball league, um, what changes would you look to make? What ways would you try to grow the audience and, and help the athletes? We could be marketed a little bit more. I think there's a lot of people that we could partner with. Uh, but I mean, I think it's all about selling us. I think it's all about selling softball. I think it's all about selling myself. Mm -hmm. And so to say that you know, to tell you what I would do. I'm sure there's people that have tried that, right? But it's just been unsuccessful. At least I hope they've tried it. Uh, trying to find solutions as to why these we're not being paid the way we should be paid or uh, the structure of things. So I think it would be coming down to just creating a new plan and really selling that to people and getting them to jump on board. I think a lot of times when you jump on board with, with anything. It's not always just the plan, but it's the person, right? You have to really trust that person, believe what they're saying and feel their passion. And so a lot of what I feel would come if I were to start something would come from me. You seem uniquely qualified to to put softball, to put professional softball on your shoulders and elevated. Is that something that you look at as a personal task, a responsibility of yours, or maybe at the very least an unintended byproduct of you trying to achieve your potential as an individual? No, I definitely feel, I mean, I've always felt like that was something that I could do. I always felt like softball was going to need a star in order to get the the viewership that we, we need or that we want. I, I agree. I think sometimes there's just some sports that it's going to take a breakout talent to really get people on board. And, you know, there's I know there's thousands of people that only watch tennis when Serena plays, thousands of people that only watch golf if Tiger is on. So it's going to be those situations where you have to, I want people to say, I don't really watch softball, but I'm going to watch if A.J. Andrews is playing. Who are the other athletes in your sport that you look up to in that way, who you think have that star quality, who you're impressed by them, either on the field, off the field, or both? So Natasha Watley was the whole reason why I ever wanted to play softball. And I mean, that's a whole other topic, but it was because she was the only one that looked like me that was playing, right? Softball is not a very diverse sport. I mean, I guess it kind of is getting more, but you just don't see as many African-American faces as I believe you should in that sport. Um, and so for me being able to watch her, she was the person that really made me feel like I could excel. And I, she will always be an inspiration for me. She'll always be someone that I, you know, well, if you ask me why I played softball, she's one of the reasons, at least one of the reasons why I thought I could be successful. And so, you know, I think there's people in our sport like Sierra Romero, who's doing good things, Lauren Chamberlain, who's doing good things, um, there are a lot of people that are really, you know, going out I and mean, we all realize we have to push for our sport. We have to fight for it. It's not something that we can just play and people flock to. So I think that I think a lot of people are really putting in that work and really willing to take the time to grow the sport the way that we are trying to grow it. And um, yeah, I think it's 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 definitely a collective effort. It's not going to I think it's going to take more than one. I would love to be that one. But you know, while there may be a million for me to get this where we wanted to be, I'm going to need a couple million for them too. So that's just, that's how I look at it. When you were at LSU, you figured out pretty early on that you wanted to get into media, television, hosting. That's something that 
correct me if I'm wrong, that is one of your top priorities right now outside the game. Is that right? Uh, no, that's definitely one of my top priorities, but I did not realize it early on. Uh, I realized mm -hmm. it my senior year, right before I was about to graduate, that that's what I wanted to do because Jessica mm -hmm. Mendoza, who is now an MLB, the first woman to be on you know, MLB commentating for an analyst for MLB TV, mm -hmm. she came up to me. She's like, AJ, I really think you'd be really good at this. I really think you'd be really good on our talent. I'm always someone that loves to be on camera. I knew that was something that was always fun for me, but I never thought of it as a career. Before that, I was going to be a sports agent. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I realized, it's like, you know what? I really do like being on camera. This is really fun. I'll give it a go. So talk about your journey as a host. You went back to grad school at LSU, mm -hmm. your alma mater. You stayed there, changed from sports. Was it sports management? Sports administration. So basically, yeah. Sports administration to mass media. Mm-hmm. And what's that journey been like? And then how did that culminate with Unapologetic? My journey with that, I don't know. I just kept with, I'm an outspoken person. And so I really just, and I love people. I love talking to people. And so I really just kept in contact with some of the people that I've met from ESPN and throughout my journey with winning the gold glove, people I've met through that. And so I was able to be on a panel for Unapologetic. This was before the show was developed and to really talk about the struggles that black women face in sports and the, the differences that we face or the struggles that we face that maybe a broader audience doesn't realize we face and how our experiences are different from a lot of our white counterparts. And so that's how it really began. And I think I just kind of hit on some topics that people didn't really understand or realize. And, you know, I talked to people knew that I was really interested in doing hosting, so they asked if I would host the show. And so I had an amazing opportunity to go around, and I talked to Misty Copeland, Simone Manuel, Ibtihaj Muhammad, um, you know, Allison Felix. I got to really sit down and have one-on-one -on -one conversation with some amazing black female athletes. And it's so interesting how we all play so many different sports, extremely diverse, completely different backgrounds, but we all have the same experiences. And I think that's a true testament to the struggles that are real and that are out here for people of color, especially women of color, when it comes down to marketability, right? The way we're supposed to look, um, when it comes down to the way our bodies are built or the stereotypes of our attitudes, you know, having an attitude or just not being someone that people want to work with. I think that, you know, our hair, having people on set that know how to do black women's hair, having people on set that know how to do black women's makeup, you know, there's just a lot of nuances that people probably don't even realize that go into being a black woman, especially an athletic black woman. And, you know, it definitely contributes to our what we have to deal with, especially when we're trying to make money, because that's sponsorships or how women basically make money in sports and uh, when you are someone that has to worry about xyz instead of just playing um, it's very distracting and it can be very hard switching gears 2017 you were part of the espn body issue how did that come about and what was that experience like? Well, after winning the gold glove, I, you know, I feel like it kind of died, right? I don't feel like I, it got as big as it should have gotten. It was a historic moment. It was something that was huge and it just kind of felt like it fizzled away. But one day I just had an email from someone from ESPN, my girl Stacy, and she just asked me if I wanted to be on the body issue. And 
the first thought to my to me was, how am I going to tell my dad? <laughs> and what is he going to say? Right. So, you know, me and my, my dad is a judge. So throughout my whole life, in order to convince him of anything, I'd have to make a PowerPoint. The PowerPoint was just the fact that this is pr- prominent athletes do this. I am now on the list of the Serena's, uh, Dwayne Wade's. You know, I'm I'm on this list of prominent athletes that they feel are valuable and they feel are just a great representation of this magazine and someone they feel should be in the magazine. It was just kind of, a, I know through softball, right? A lot of the times one arm is bigger than the other, whether you're left-handed or right-handed. So a lot of girls are just very insecure about showing our bodies at that point. And um, I really wanted to kind of represent for that. And no softball player had been in the body issue for 10 years before that. So I really, I just thought it was an opportunity, not just for me, but just for the sport. And any way that we can market softball, I feel is necessary. Right. It's it's the same thing we talked about earlier. It's that personal responsibility. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think my dad really trusts me. He trusts my judgment. And so he was all for it. And how do you feel about the photos? How they came out? Oh, I love them. I love them. I think my photo with me diving in the air is probably one of the coolest photos. At least that's what people have told me. And so uh, I think that it was it was a really good result. And I think that I really represented softball in a great way. So what's next for you other than professional softball? What else do you have on the horizon? Where can people hope to see AJ Andrews in the immediate future? Oh, you're going to see me everywhere in the immediate future. <laughs> you're going to see me on magazines, on TV, on the internet. Um, yeah, I think that I love and uninterrupted. So having a position here where I can really continue to grow not only my brand, but the brand of other athletes, I think would be really awesome. But I think just I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm moving and grooving and I'm really trying to, I hope you see me hosting my own show. Actually, you will. You'll see me host it. For all those listening, you have to talk things into the future. Yes. You know, I try to sound humble, but I I know you're going to see me in the future hosting a show and continue i'm gonna have a lot of different business endeavors that i would like to embark on mm-hmm. and so yeah i think there's gonna be a lot of things that are really cool that's gonna have aj andrew slapped on it so be on the lookout thank you again for joining us let everybody out there know how they can follow you on social and keep up with you in all the different ways yeah my it's i'm mainly on instagram and twitter and so my instagram is aj underscore andrews underscore i'm trying to change that but instagram won't let me But then my Twitter is the underscore AJ Andrews. So before we get you out of here, remind everybody out there, who runs the station? We run this station. We gonna keep running. Running, running, running. Never running out of money. WRTS is produced by John Fontanelli. Our editor is Chris Wotherspoon. Our production assistant is Logan Casterdale. Additional production support by Matt Perret, Lauren Jones, Cody Moore, and Uninterrupted's Athlete Relations Team. Our executive producer is TD St. Matthew Daniel. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is WRTS. We run this station. Oh, 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 oh,